Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want to give you all a reminder that we are coming up on our September Bossed Up Bootcamp Weekend in Washington, D.C., this September 29th and 30th. It's going to be our last bootcamp on the East Coast this year. It's our award-winning flagship training program that started it all. It's a Saturday-Sunday program for women who are looking to take it to the next level in their careers and lives. We are really focused on helping you craft a clear career vision and leave with a roadmap for making it a reality. We cover everything. We take a really holistic approach, not only how to be a more assertive communicator and hone your negotiation skills, but also we have a love and relationships therapist joining us to talk through that component to crafting a sustainable career path. We tackle wellness. We tackle finances. It's all done in a fun, one-of-a-kind weekend you cannot find anywhere else. Scholarships and monthly installment plans are available, so head to bossedup.org slash bootcamp or just click on the link in the show notes to learn more and register today to join me and our amazing team of certified Bossed Up trainers in D.C., September 29th and 30th. And for all my West Coast listeners, we'll be in Los Angeles with our final Bossed Up Bootcamp of the year in November. So save the date, November 17th and 18th. And those are your last two chances to head to Bossed Up Bootcamp in 2018. All right, now for today's show, we are tackling a really important topic that is super practical and tactical for anyone navigating the job search or for entrepreneurs who are looking for testimonials. We're always looking to market ourselves through the mouths of happy past clients of ours. In fact, on the Busta Bootcamp page, you'll find tons of social media examples of people who went through Bossed Up Bootcamp and had something to say about it on the internet. So really showcasing your credibility and authenticity through the words of other people serving as references is so important for all of us. Having made a few not-so-stellar hires in the early part of my entrepreneurial journey, I now make a commitment to always calling references. And for me, you can always tell a lot about a prospective employee in terms of how well they manage communicating between themselves and their references. So it's just one of those etiquette components to the job search and communications components to the job search that in the midst of everything else you're doing can be easily left by the wayside or forgotten about in terms of how important and how critical it is to communicate effectively with the right references for the right job opportunities. Hi, Emily. My name is Madeline, and I'm calling from Washington, D.C., and my career conundrum is as I search for my next career move and interview for new positions, how can I best assemble 
a killer team of uh, professional references. Madeline, this is a great career conundrum. And I have to let y'all know that Madeline ended up writing in to elaborate upon her conundrum. In an email to the team here at Bossed Up, she wrote, I want to line up a squad of people who can shed light on my different strengths and help me secure an offer. How do you suggest selecting and asking people to serve as references? And is there a tactful way to learn what negative feedback, if any, they might provide a potential employer? Madeline, thanks so much for calling in, for writing in. This is an excellent career conundrum. And with me today is a total communications boss who's going to help me break it down. Valerie Gordon is the founder of Commander in She, a communications and career strategy firm where she helps clients get the tools and skills necessary to take command of their stories and create meaningful next chapters. She comes to this work after a 20-year career as a 10-time Emmy award-winning TV producer who used to create and oversee feature stories for ESPN, HBO Sports, and CBS News. Valerie, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Very happy to be with you today, and it's a great question she's got. So before we dive into Madeline's situation, which I think a lot of us can relate to, whether you are a job seeker or someone who is an entrepreneur who wants to seek out, I don't know, testimonials for from past clients for your advertising and marketing... First, tell us a little bit about your incredible career in journalism and how those communications lessons helped you start your own organization in which you help women communicate and tell their story like a boss. Well, my current chapter is very much about helping other people with their next chapters. I did spend more than 20 years in television, um, overseeing and producing stories for national networks. And I love stories. I mean, to me, everything is a story. I, I see them everywhere. Um, but there came a time where my TV career felt like it was just wrapping itself up. I still enjoyed it, but I didn't I felt like I had done pretty much everything I had set out to do. And there were challenges with that very 24-7 environment that were no longer working for me. And I thought, okay, well, what's next in my story? And like many people who want to switch careers, I had to really take stock of what am I good at and what do I enjoy? And I knew I wanted to use my background in storytelling. And I wanted to combine that with my passion for helping women in the workforce because I had mentored many women. I had had many mentors myself. Our challenges, as you know, are many. And often we're telling ourselves a story about why we are or are not successful. And I kind of put those thoughts together and created my communications consultancy firm, Commander in She, to help women harness the powers in their story. So it's everything from how you network and how you interview the story you tell about yourself, your personal brand and encapsulating your backstory, to how you deal with present day conflict and dissatisfaction in your story, and how do you goal plan and put together the plot points necessary for your next chapter? Because I see our careers as these ongoing chapters, and if you're stuck in a bad one, that's not the final destination. That's just a chapter you need to turn the page. And so I help women with the skills and the tools necessary to advance their own career stories. 
I love it, Valerie. And for anyone who's a loyal listener of the Bossed Up podcast, you know that I draw upon my background as an organizer in order to help apply a storytelling framework to all kinds of career situations quite often. So if it sounds like Valerie and I are cut from the same cloth, we very much are. In fact, we were just chatting before the recording started here about how much we're looking forward to having Valerie join me at an upcoming Bossed Up trainer team training, which if anyone else is interested in really honing their public speaking skills and taking their amazing, awesome message that they have to share with the world like Valerie does to the next level in terms of honing your public speaking as a professional speaker on the speaker circuit. Our next training with the trainer team is coming up in New York City, September 22nd. I'll drop a link in the show notes today for more details and you can join Valerie and me there together. So Valerie, I'm looking forward to hanging IRL, but this is a good way to start the conversation early so we can get to know each other's stories even better. I'm really looking forward to it. And already the group of women that you've gathered, everyone's got such an amazing story. I can't wait to meet them in person. Awesome. So today we're here to tackle a specific kind of storytelling challenge or really a communications challenge, which to me always goes back to our goals and our audience. So when Madeline is, let's, let's sort of break down many of Madeline's questions because she's got like six great questions bundled into a situation that a lot of us face specifically when we're starting to look towards that next chapter. And we really aren't ready to publicly turn the page just yet, right? Our current boss doesn't know we're leaving. We might be interviewing for months on end before we find the job that's the right fit. So what are your first thoughts on lining up good references? What's the best way to go about identifying those folks and asking them to serve in that role for you? So I love Madeline's question, and it does have a couple of components to it. So first, she's talking about what I would call your cast of supporting characters, right? You're the central character in your own story, but who's in your cast of supporting characters? Who's on my team? Who's going to help me best promote myself and share my story in the best light? So she's trying to identify not only who that is, but how she appropriately asks for that help. And to me, that's clarity in your story. What is it that you hope to achieve? So I would probably start with that for Madeline. And I do want to talk about who I think should be in your cast of supporting characters. But let's talk specifically first about the ask. She wants to be able to ask people to serve as a reference for her. And typically when we do this, we would ask a supervisor, someone who supervised our work or, or knows us well. And there's certainly occasions when we can't do that when we haven't informed, maybe we've only had one job, one boss, and we yeah. don't want to tell them we're moving on. But perhaps there's someone else that we work with that can speak to how well we did there. And Madeline is also very concerned. She wants to kind of know, but what are they going to say about me? Because right. she wants to be sure that the reference giver is going to say positive things that's going to help her get the job. We can ask anyone, hey, can I use you as a reference? And most people will say, sure. But then the next question is, but what are you going to say about me? <laughs> and so there is a way that Madeline can communicate her needs that's more specific with the ask. So let's say we've identified who she wants to ask for a reference. Rather than just saying, hey, can you serve as a reference for me? She needs to be more specific. And yeah. it's fine to line up people who might give you a reference. But then when there's a specific job or opportunity you're going for, I suggest circling back with these people, your network, your, your cast of supporting characters, to give them a little more information about how they can help you. 
I mean, how often have you had a friend who's sick or something like that? And you say, let me know how I can help you. And you really want specific information. Like, can you go to the pharmacy for me? Or can you, you know, can yeah. you go to the grocery store for me? Because otherwise we don't really know how to help. So using that as the example, I would suggest to Madeline that rather than just asking someone, hey, can I use you as a reference to be very specific? Hey, thanks for offering to serve as a reference for me. I'm applying to a job as a client services coordinator. And I know that when you and I work together, and this is just an example, sure. I know when you and I work together that I did a lot of front facing client work and I'm hoping that you can speak to my skill in that. So now she's taken a broad request, hey, can I use you as a reference? And given that person giving the reference a little more specificity of what she's hoping to get yes. out of it. And that's the communication part of it. You have to ask for what you're going to need and make it easy for people to support you. I like that piece of advice. I'm almost reminded of when I was a student, really in my first foray into the first big girl job that I ever got, was going from an internship to a state director position. It was a huge leap. And when I started to line up my references, like you mentioned, these were folks who'd already served as a reference for me, my college advisor, my internship coordinator or, or supervisor from the summer prior. These are folks who I've had some rapport with and had already served in some capacity. I circled back and said to them, here's the specific weakness they're going to ask you about. They're going to think I'm too young for this role. I need you to tell them I do not need a lot of supervision. I'm super responsible and self-motivated and that I'm wise beyond my years. And I sort of handed them this problem solution framework by saying, I know going into this interview, the biggest thing I have going against me is my youth. So I need you to specifically address that, whether they bring it up or not when they call as a reference. So could you sort of help me out in that regard? And I really think I sent it as an email and then called because to mm -hmm. me, a personal touch like that, a phone call, which is kind of rare in today's day and age, can really help answer questions, provide context, and also, by the way, catch up. How's life? What's going on? So we're not just asking for favors and not, you know, leaving the door open to build that relationship further. Absolutely. And that has to go with maintaining your network. But what I love what you did there was in identifying, you know, your strengths and pot potential weaknesses, like you said, problem solution. So that's definitely some advice for Madeline as well. She should think about what's the story I want to tell yeah. as I go for this job opportunity? And what are my strengths that I want to make sure I highlight? And then with the person she's who has agreed to give the reference, she wants to make sure that they agree that those are her strengths as well. Right. So she should point out for this particular job, I'll be drawing on my background on you know organizational skills. But I want to hide the fact that I might not I might not possess all of the technical knowledge that they're asking for just yet. So she has to acknowledge whatever she might perceive as a weakness yeah. and turn that story around in a way that works in her favor. And getting the referencer on her side by saying. I want to make sure that they understand that I have the capacity to learn things very quickly. Could you bring up that time we worked together and we had the new computer program that I learned within a week? So just like you said, it's that problem solution yeah. output, but it's also really knowing what is the story I want to tell here? And by the way, in doing this with the referencer in advance or asking that specifically in advance, she's going to uncover what her other concern was. Well, how will I know what yes. they're really going to say about me? And sometimes totally. you might need to spoon feed them to say, you know, when I think about my strengths and weaknesses, I know these are the areas where I might need to grow. Do you agree with that? 
And then find out if they're on the same page with you with what they believe your strengths and weaknesses are, because then you can go in with a commonality of, okay, here's the story that we're going to present and here's our problem solution. Yeah. And, and if anything, if you find out that, you know what, they actually don't think that that weakness is a weakness, that's great. But if you find out that what you've identified as your strength is not maybe what they've identified, you can then decide whether you want to use them as a reference or what else you can learn from that conversation. I like that because, first of all, this seems like a lot of work. I, I can already hear someone in Madeline's shoes thinking, oh, my God, how many phone calls do I have to make to prepare for this? And I would say, yes, this is a lot of work. There's a lot of emotional labor that goes into managing expectations between you and your references and your references and your prospective employer. But that management, all of that effort and energy and labor that goes on behind the scenes pays off in dividends when you present a clear, concise, and consistent story from a 360 degree perspective. So the story you're saying about yourself in the interview is validated and reinforced 360 degrees by your, your cast of characters, as you call them, Valerie. And what else that preemptive phone call can do, that conversation with your reference can do, in addition to identifying any misalignment in terms of how they perceive your strengths and weaknesses, is it takes the onus off of them from having to come up with a clear story for you. And it also, in doing this in a conversational format instead of an email, like over the phone or over coffee, it gives them agency as your reference to say, I don't know if I agree with that. Or have you thought of bringing up this story that I know you for and I think of you as the most effective client-facing coordinator because of this example? Have you thought of of me referencing that and just giving them that opportunity goes a long way in making this feel not like you're handing them a script per se, but you're offering them a script that they can use if they want to, if they agree with it. But you're also saying you have agency and choice in this. So do you agree? This is a two-way dialogue. Yeah. And you're getting feedback while you do it. I mean, if anything, I would say, I don't think it's a lot of work, but I do think it's a conversation. Yeah. One of the worst things you can do is maybe ask people to be a reference. And I also suggest getting um, a reference in writing from a, a current employer or someone, just so you keep that with you in case you do lose touch with someone. But I got a call not too long ago for a reference for a babysitter that had worked for me in babysitting my kids who are now well past babysitting age. And I do remember her and I was able to give the reference, but we haven't spoken in years. And I think it would have behooved her to email me or phone me in advance. Hi, I worked for you a few years ago. Yeah. I'm applying for jobs. May I still use your name as a reference? Now it worked out for her because I did remember her. She was one of our better sitters. I was happy to recommend her, but I suggest all of this, whoever you've asked to serve as a reference, if you want them to continue to do so, you need to check in periodically with where you are and how you're doing. By the way, ask about them and continue to maintain that relationship if you want to get a strong reference from yeah. them. I think that's one of the barriers, right, is distance between how long it's been since you've conversed with this person. That could be a potential barrier. The other barrier that comes to mind is let's say they like you, but they're super busy. To me, that's yeah. almost a more common occurrence. I've gotten reference requests that get clogged up and buried in my inbox within an hour of coming in. And it's like, yes, I will get to that. It's not at the top of my to-do list, but I want to be that good reference for you. If I get a phone call from that person and says, hey, Emily, just wanted to make sure you saw my request come in. 
I'm much more likely to be focused on that and say, yes, I care about you. I'm going to make this a priority because busyness is is an obstacle for so many folks in this situation as well. It really is. And, you know, you have to remember that as very much as you're living your own story and you have your own priorities, everybody else has theirs. And that's where you should have a whole cast of characters from which you can pull for these references because it's important. And if someone is too busy to be able, for whatever reason, to be able to take the time to do that for you, you need to be able to go to someone else. And you need to be able to say, can I count on you for this reference? But keep in mind, there's different references. There's the boss who just wants to verify that, yes, she was employed here from this date to this date, and she was a good employee and no problems with her. And then there's the more personal approach of someone who works so directly with you and can really speak to your integrity and your character. And depending on who they want, they might call those different people. By the way, it doesn't always need to be a supervisor. I think that's another question we get asked a lot. Does it have to be someone I reported to? No, it can be a colleague. It can be someone maybe who wasn't a direct boss, but has some clout within the organization. And don't forget about volunteer positions and things you do outside of the office where someone knows where you've been able to show professional skills, including them as well. It gives a different characterization of you and also shows the many ways that you can impact everything that you touch. That is such an excellent point. So let's talk about worst case scenario, shall we? (laughs) I'm sure this is rare and I'm sure that Madeline is just being extra diligent in asking about this. But what are some ways to know if someone you've asked for a reference is potentially going to leave you some bad reviews? Right. So if you've already taken the steps that we've talked about, which is having a conversation with this person, hey, can I count on you for a reference? Here's the job that I'm applying for and the skills I'd like to highlight. Would you agree that those are my strengths? And even identifying your own concerns or weaknesses in approaching the job. And, you know, would you agree that that's something that I'd rather highlight this and speak to, you know, my ability to do this as opposed to focusing on, you know, some of the things that I haven't yet achieved in my my arsenal of skills. I would look for, is there any hesitation on that person's part? Now, obviously you're hoping for honesty, that if that person is not comfortable giving you a reference, that they will say so. Because I think the worst case scenario you're, you're talking about is someone who says, sure, you can count on me. And then either doesn't take the time to phone back or gives the reference and says, yeah, you know, she was okay, but I didn't really like working with her. Yeah. That's absolute worst case, like sabotage scenario. And I would hope that Madeline or anyone asking this question, you can sense that if you actually haven't had a good working relationship with that person and you would go elsewhere. But let's say your choices are limited as far as who can give you a reference because you maybe only had one job and it didn't go well. I would be upfront and asking for that reference. Hey, I know we didn't always see eye to eye, but hopefully there's something that you can point to in that working relationship that that person might be willing to speak to. If you leave that conversation feeling kind of uneasy, it's probably better to look elsewhere for the references and just be upfront with the employer of, you know what, I left my last job under bad circumstances and I don't have a, a reference from that job to give you, but here's, here's who can speak to the quality of my character instead. I think that's a great piece of advice. And you're actually reminding me of an episode we recently released back in August, August 21st. We had an episode where I interviewed Alexis Parada from Idealist Careers, all about how to explain a short-term job stint. And in that episode, we discussed that horrible circumstance when you take a job and you leave it under duress for some reason. And you know what? For all intents and purposes, it gets wiped from your resume and there's no reference coming from that. And if that ever happens to you or if there's a job from which you cannot 
reasonably get a reference for any reason. It's not the end all be all, right? The other thing that comes to mind, and I often give this advice when I'm thinking about mentor networks, like you're talking about, or just your peer to peer support squad, is diversity in your reference list. How important is it to have a diverse cast of characters? And and who would you say should be on that list for every professional? Well, for references, that's really interesting. And I think it depends on the job you're applying for. Some people just want to hear from your most recent employer. Some people want to hear, like we said, from that top position. Some people want to hear from someone who's known you for as long as possible. And so, and you can even ask when you're asked to provide some references, what type of references would be most helpful? Because they might give you insight as to who they're hoping to hear from. As far as who should be in your cast of supporting characters, and I think of this more as like on a daily basis of like, who you need around you. You're the central character of your story and you're surrounded by all these people. And your cast of characters can change, supporting characters can change over time as you change jobs or you move on. Um, But here are four types of people that I think are really important to have. Um, The first is your cheerleader. This is the person that picks you up when you're down, who thinks you're awesome no matter what, because we're all going to have those days when nothing is working, when we're feeling bad about ourselves, and we need that cheerleader in our lives to make us feel better and to keep us going. And this can be a best friend or a mom. I was going to say, that's the role I want to play for everyone listening. (laughs) For everybody, yeah. But you need that person who tells you to keep believing, and they do believe in you, sometimes more than you believe in yourself. I believe that every person should have a collaborator. This is the person that brings out the best in you. Maybe someone you work with regularly or someone you just call to powwow ideas with, whether they get you thinking creatively or strategically. When you collaborate together, you create something. And I think everyone needs that person in their life who brings out the best in you. The third person I think you should have is what I would call an accountability partner. So this is sort of more of a realist. The cheerleader cheers you on, the collaborator gives you wild ideas that you might act on, and the accountability partner is says, okay, so how are you going to do that? So it's the realist. It's not a critic. It's not telling, it's not the person who's telling you it's not possible. It's the person who's keeping you accountable to, okay, yeah. you're setting these goals. Now, how are you actually going to get it done? What's your plan? They keep your feet planted firmly in the ground. And then the fourth person is your been there, done that person. It's a mentor or a coach who knows what you're going through. So that's why I'm a big believer in mentor organizations where you can pair younger people with more experienced workers who've been through this before. Yes, I had someone once give me a reference and kind of chop me down. And here's how I handled it. You want that person who nothing's too much of a crisis because they've already survived it. (laughs) And that person might wind up being with their experience, someone who can speak to your character as a mentee and also serve that reference. But those are the four people that I like to keep in my cast of supporting characters. And I also like to ask people, what role do you play for someone else? So you might be the central character in your own story, but how are you supporting others? Because Sometimes we get more in our own stories out of being a supporting character to someone else. It goes back to this question of 
what kind of a lineup should I give folks when they're asking where reference is? I really have found that when I'm queuing up different validators, right, like third-party validators to reinforce the story I'm trying to get across, for instance, way back in that organizer role, I remember saying to one of them, you and I worked as a team on a small-term consulting project. Can you speak to my reliability specifically? You and I worked at a major Capitol Hill internship at a revered organization and institution. Can you speak to my professionalism and my respect and my reliability? You know, things like that. So almost describing to them where they fit into your cast. Into your story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think the specificity with which you're asking absolutely gives them the tools they need to move forward and give you exactly what you want. And you're not doing it in a way that is burdensome. You're actually helping them by telling them specifically, it started the conversation with when you have a sick friend and you want to help. When she tells you specifically what she needs, you know, people are happy to help. And the one thing I would add to that too is don't assume that just because they're in the position of power and they're the one offering the reference that you can't do something for them. Always end every conversation with, how can I be of value to you? Because even though they're the ones speaking to your work and providing that reference, you know, they may need something from you. Maybe it's a LinkedIn testimonial, or maybe they just want to run an idea by you. No matter what level you're at or what position you have, you can serve of value to these people. So make sure when you request the reference from them and guide them to how to help you, ask them how you can be of help to them as well. I love that. And I was just sharing a story of a speaker who's been on the speaker circuit for 20 years, who's a total mentor of mine, who I was fortunate to cross paths with when we were both sharing the same stage. And I just met up with her again after she was very helpful to me in speaking with me over the phone. I met up with her again when I was in Dallas just now. I'm probably going to have her on the podcast soon, so you all get to meet who I'm talking about. But I was reminded of her because a recent episode that I produced called Thank You Matters was a tiny little boss tip episode was all about how me deriving a ton of value and free advice from this woman who's been through the trenches when it comes to the speaker circuit before was so valuable to me. I wanted to make it clear how much I appreciated her support and how sending a little note of gratitude, or in my case, a gift box full of gummies (laughs) or some kind of token of appreciation goes such a long way. And I always feel like reciprocity is key when establishing professional relationships, no matter how much you feel like you're deriving a ton of benefit from them. If you can't be of service to them right now, or they haven't come up with an ask for you, make it clear how much you appreciate their support with a note or a gift. Yeah. And staying in touch as well, even to say, Hey, I thank you for the reference. I didn't get the job that I was applying for, but I appreciate you giving it to me. I'm still looking, you know, to kind of stay in touch with them and acknowledge how they're helping you. And that way you can continue going to them because you're filling them in on your story. You're not just asking for a reference once and then disappearing, you know? So I think the news for Madeline is not to be afraid to ask, to ask with a lot of specificity to the story she'd like to tell and to get the support from a number of people who might be able to help her as she starts going on these interviews. You can learn more about Valerie and her fantastic firm, Commander and She, at the link below. And for those of you who are interested in the training that Valerie is joining me at this month in New York City on September 22nd, where she and 10 other incredible women who are in the career services industry or just simply want to hone their public speaking skills and take it to a professional level, you can also learn more and apply to join us 
at my final Bossed Up Trainer certification program via the link in the show notes as well. This is the only program I run in which I share everything I've learned about how to position yourself as a professional public speaker, get booked, develop a killer keynote, and really hone your public speaking skills. So if that sounds like you and that's of interest to you for any reason, Check out the details and apply to join the Bossed Up Trainer team now because this is the last training I'm hosting on this this year. So when I'm not navigating workplace politics, I'm looking for ways to improve my relationships, keep up with pop culture and politics, and frankly deal with the everyday sexism I'm constantly encountering. If that's you too, you'll love Slate's The Waves podcast. Every week, Invisibilia co-host Hannah Rosen, New York Magazine's Noreen Malone, and Slate's June Thomas and Christina Catarucci unpack all the ways gender shapes our lives with smart takes and a healthy dose of feminist discourse. Download and subscribe to The Waves in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. All right, now it is time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hey, Emily, it's India. I have two boss moves to report this week. The first one is that I had my first op-ed published an education surge on higher education at reauthorization and how the higher education landscape has changed over the past few years. It's my first op-ed. I'm super excited, completely unexpected because it was initially supposed to be a blog post, but then our communications person pitched it to a few different news outlets, and it was actually picked up. So that was super exciting. And then my second boss move is I was recently nominated for an award for excellence in advocacy as an up-and-coming practitioner. There were a lot of people here in the higher access space who, I guess, have seen the hard work that I've been putting in, and they wanted to nominate me for this award. So I thought it was so sort of cool. It was super exciting. It's been a great week, and there's so much more I have in store. India, congratulations. Those are such awesome moves. I love how these moves in particular showcase that you're on the receiving end of much deserved acknowledgments. That's so rare in our world these days that it, it reminds me that so many of us have really important things to say and not knowing that your blog post would be turned into an op-ed is a good reminder for all of us who have lots of things to say on Facebook and lots of raging to do on Twitter these days, especially this election year, which deserves so much attention, that we should all consider ourselves prospective op-ed writers. Did you know that a 2008 study found that 97% of op-eds by scholars in the Wall Street Journal are written by men? And while things have improved dramatically since then, where according to the Op-Ed Project, which exists to specifically help diverse voices and really women's voices get heard in our nation's key opinion forums, They've found that, quote, the representation of women in our nation's most influential forums has increased by at least 40 percent. And they're referencing over the last 10 years since 2008 when they started in particular. So, India, good on you for getting that blog post turned into an op-ed. It's a good reminder for all of us to do the same. Take that blog post you've been sitting on or take that journal entry you've been, you know, unloading into and consider making it public. Consider submitting it to an op-ed, to your local newspaper, to your national newspapers, to all kinds of forums. You never know who you're inspiring, like I say, when you share your come-up story. But in this case, you never know who you're inspiring when you share your voice in a public forum that is dominated by the same voices 
over and over again. So congratulations, India, on both fronts on getting that op-ed published and on getting your well-deserved nomination. And thank you for calling in and sharing like a boss. And now it's time to continue last week's new tradition of giving a little shout out and a little podcast love to one special review per week. This one came in from Lou K.O. 4, who put it perfectly when she said, finally, a career podcast for women created by a woman and featuring women interviewees. We all needed this. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lou. I love the way you put that. In fact, I was just having a conversation with one of our listeners on my Instagram feed about last week's boss tip episode, which was all about the five books that I'm reading this fall, which I'm so excited to geek out with you all about because it sounds like a lot of y'all are reading the same books. So I'll probably be doing some Insta lives to discuss them as we finish them together. But one of the comments that came in on that Instagram post was, I hate it when women recommend a bunch of books by men for women to improve their careers and lives. And I was like, is that a thing that even happens? Because I don't want to be a part of that. And not that there aren't male voices in the world that need to be heard and can help us with our careers. I mean, we did have Jason Waskey on an early episode about why women need men mentors too. But that was with a specific purpose, right? To talk about male mentorship of women. So I'm very happy to live in this lady-driven world that is the Bossed Up podcast. And I'm so glad you appreciate it too. Lou, I appreciate you and your review. And can't thank you enough for tuning in each week. If you are a loyal listener of the Bossed Up podcast and you haven't already, make sure to scroll down in the Apple Podcasts app while you're listening. And while you're there, add a little comment and you just might be the next weekly review that I give a shout out to in the next episode. That's all I got for you today, bosses. September has turned out to be one of the craziest months of the year thus far. I know I've been plugging so many different kinds of events, but it's because I want to make sure you don't miss out on the chance to work with me or hang with me in real life. And so the final reminder I have to share here is our upcoming live podcast recording with General Assembly in New York City is coming up Thursday, September 20th. I'm talking all about crafting a kick-ass career in STEM fields with three outstanding women who have so much to share. We've got Natalia, a designer, a UX designer for the New York Times. We've got Neck Pen, who is not only a data analytics boss, but also the founder of the Women Work Collective. And we've got Filipina pharmacist Aaron, who's also the writer behind the fantastic blog, coffee meets polished. They've got so much to share with you. I can't wait to play a few games, to give some giveaways away, and to have a fantastic evening with badass boss women like you. So if you are in the New York City area or know someone who is, make sure you RSVP to join us for free in the links in the show notes below. Otherwise, in the meantime, I'll just keep bossing up your earbuds and we can all stay focused on lifting as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, 
It's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup. 